360 degrees. Hop high, 360 degrees. Hop high, 306, 306, 360 degrees. Hop high. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program and broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone Territory, a.k.a. Berkeley. And tonight, Full Circle honors Memorial Day. But of course, this is KPFA, so this will be the anti-war Memorial Day show. Why, you may ask? Because I feel the best way to honor the dead is to end all wars. So, on tonight's show, we will honor veterans of the armed forces, and we will also honor KPFA veterans that we've lost, who spent time on the air in the fight for peace. We'll also hear from a young woman who served in Iraq as she shares her thoughts about Memorial Day. All that and some anti-war music. That's tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, Free Will and Franklin, Keep it locked right here to KPFA. Again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices from the First Voice Apprenticeship Program right here at KPFA. I'm your host tonight, Free Will and Franklin. And before I get into the show, I want to send a special shout out to all the people that donated to KPFA over the past couple weeks. Thank you so much. We truly are a listener-sponsored station, and you have all stepped up in a big way during this time of crisis. Just as we have at KPFA stepped up to continue to bring you the most important and timely news and information so you can navigate this pandemic armed with the best knowledge possible. And although the official on-air fundraiser has ended, we are still taking donations, so if you feel you'd like to donate, you can do so anytime securely at kpfa.org, or you can still call 1-800-439-5732, and that's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Well, let's get on with the show tonight. KPFA has been the anti-war station since its founding by pacifist Lou Hill, who was himself jailed as a conscientious objector during World War II. When Hill was released in 1944, he envisioned radio as a way to serve the pacifist community, and with the help of volunteers, Lou founded KPFA Radio in 1949. So in honor of Lewis Hill, the founder of this station, KPFA, I want to kick off the show tonight with some music and a song and the song is Remember My Forgotten Man. And this is performed by Etta Motten and Joan Blondell from the 1933 film Gold Diggers of 1933. I ended up choosing this song because it was just about a decade after World War I, which was supposed to be the war to end all wars. It was one of the deadliest wars with an estimated 9 million combatants killed. 13 million civilians perished as well. It was the war that led to the Armistice Day, a day that not only honored those who died, but celebrated peace and moved to protect that peace. 
So this song came from the film Gold Diggers of 1933, and the song in the film was part of a stage production performance that showed the plight of veterans of the day. The performance starts with a disheveled man. He's leaning against a lamp pole. Another man walks by, tossing his half-smoked cigarette to the ground. The first man, he moves quickly to pick it up and smoke what's left. Seeing this, Joan Blondell steps into the scene, pulling out a fresh smoke. Taking the man's hand, she uses the butt he is holding to light her smoke. Then she gives the fresh smoke to him and takes the butt as he walks off. The first voice you will hear will be Joan Blondell. Then coming in will be Etta Motten. This is Remember My Forgotten Man. I don't know if he deserves a bit of sympathy. Forget your sympathy. It's all right with me. I was satisfied to drift along from day to day till they came and took my man away. Remember my forgotten man? You put a rifle in his hand. You sent him far away. You shouted, hip hooray. But look at him today. Remember my forgotten man. You had him cultivate the land. He walked behind a plow. The sweat fell from his brow. But look at him right now. And once he used to love me. I was happy then. He used to take care of me. Won't you bring him back again? Cause ever since the world began, a woman's got to have a man. Forgetting him, you see, means you're forgetting me. Like my, my forgotten man.
back. This is Full Circle on 94.1 KPFA. That was Remember My Forgotten Man from the film Gold Diggers of 1933. It's worth checking out, and I will post a link to the YouTube video clip of the performance on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. Please check that out just after the show. And that goes out to Lou Hill, the founder of this station, KPFA. I like to think this may be a song he was familiar with since it's uh, from his time period. Now we'll move on to African-Americans who served. We know that the African-American experience in this country has been one of tremendous tragedy and organized systematic racism. Yet throughout American history, African-Americans have continued to step up and do what they thought was needed to defend their newfound country. Up next, Radio Shack brings us his thoughts on the fallen African-American servicemen. soldiers, brave and strong, Civil War veterans, black men in uniform, Buffalo soldiers helped in the West, fought many fights with courage and finesse. They built forts, they protected land, Buffalo soldiers were in demand. On horseback, they served with pride. In the Wild West, many of them died. Oklahoma, Kentucky, Kansas and Texas too just a few states. Buffalo soldiers rolled through much of what we see in America today. Began with Buffalo soldiers leading the way. Buffalo soldiers, way back in history, they fought to survive and died for the free. During the Civil War, more than 180,000 African Americans wore the Union Army Blue. Another 30,000 served in the Navy and 200,000 served as workers in military supported roles. More than 33,000 were killed. When World War I broke out, 380,000 black men enlisted. Today, black Americans account for 17% of America's active duty personnel, including my own cousin. As I look back and reflect on this Memorial Day, I think to all the African Americans who serve in this war when they some say they don't have to. Both my grandparents, grandfathers served in the war. And it just gives you great respect to the fallen and the sacrifice that they made, even though maybe they didn't have to. Because as my grandfather said, he wouldn't serve in a white man's army. But he did because he wanted to sacrifice to make a better life for his kids. So as we look back today on this Memorial Day, let's think about all the ones that have sacrificed, whether they were African-American, white, or any, or any race, just let's look back and honor the ones that have sacrificed for us. 
to continue to keep doing what we want to do every day in our everyday life. Thank you. Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 KPFA. You just listened to a short commentary by pretty much a graduate apprentice now, Radio Shack. Radio Shack is part of Audacity, who were just about to have their graduation before the Rona hit. So stay tuned for Radio Shack's graduation show coming up in June, June 12th to be exact, when he will highlight some of his favorite moments as an apprentice. I'm going to move on to our next segment now tonight. This being a Memorial Day celebration, I figured we would be wise to speak with a veteran. And as veterans are people, there are various opinions on what military service means and various ideas about days like Memorial Day. Earlier this week, I spoke with Emily Yates. Emily stumbled into a songwriting career after spending the first part of her adult life as an Army public affairs minion, writing heartwarming news stories about the Iraq War to help build fellow soldiers' morale. After getting out of the military, she learned to play the ukulele and merged her dual passions for writing and music, at the same time becoming increasingly involved with the anti-war movement. In 2012, she recorded her first album, I've Got Your Folk Songs Right Here, She has a new album in the works as well as a book about her time in the military and also a podcast coming soon called What the Folk. And she has recently taken on the role of editor for the Veterans for Peace newspaper. This is my conversation I had with Emily Yates earlier this week. Greetings, Emily. How are you? I'm doing all right, all things considered. Let me bring you into this conversation tonight. We're having focusing on Memorial Day veterans and KPFA veterans alike. You've had quite a military service uh, career. Can you uh, tell us briefly about your time serving in the Army, when you were enlisted, where you were stationed, and like the type of work that you did while you were deployed? Yes. It was December of 2001 that I actually enlisted, but I went to basic training in 02. So I was technically in from 02 to 08. And um, I enlisted because it was a practical solution for me for needing um, money for college. And um, I wanted to get a job in journalism and the army offered me Uh, the job of being an army journalist, which the alternate title of that job is public affairs specialist. So in real life, those two jobs are the opposite of each other. Um, But in the military, they're the same thing. So I did basically um, command information, you know, what the military wanted to go out to the troops was, you know, and I helped put it in sort of news-like form. And um, and it was, you know, Army News. So you were out there six years. Talk about your experience while you were in the military, um, what you saw, what you did, and most importantly, how your thoughts about military service were formed from um, that time being deployed. 
First of all, I've been working on and recently completed a, a manuscript for a book that answers a lot of those questions. So I've been thinking about those answers a lot for the last few years, <laughs> and hopefully they will be in published form before long. Um, but for now, I'll say it was like a, it was a journey. You know, it, I didn't really know anything about politics or foreign policy or the military other than for movies for the most part uh, when I around the time I joined and um, you know I liked all of the old uh, folk songs you know I liked you know Bob Dylan and the Beatles and all of and like you know Woody Guthrie and the the folksters but for some reason like I wasn't really inclined to be much of a radical and um, anyway yeah so I joined in O two and then the Iraq War began in O three, and that um, helped wake me up a lot more to the reality that you know that we weren't we weren't fighting an enemy to win. You know we were we were kind of just locked in perpetual uh, struggle against other regular people who didn't necessarily want our help or quote unquote help. It became pretty clear that we weren't liberating Iraq. And yeah, so by the time I got out of the military, I definitely saw the the war machine a little more clearly for what it was. It, but it really took not only seeing how the Iraq war sort of turned into such a, um, a mess, I guess I should, is the word I can say on radio. Um, <laughs> but how the military and the government treated the soldiers, the clearer it got that the war in Iraq was not going to end anytime soon, the clearer it got to me that we, the, the soldiers, were seen as, like, just profoundly disposable. Like, not even, like, any pretense of, like trying to keep us out of harm's way, you know, <laughs> and, you know, and then the more intimate I got with that understanding, the more I was like, well, if we're not even, if we're supposed to be the good guys and the army is um, treating us like corpses, essentially bodies, like we're, you know, bodies is what you call soldiers a lot of times, half jokingly then how are we treating the quote-unquote bad guys or the, the bystanders for that matter? And it just sort of made me feel like I was even more part of the problem because I was writing all this quote-unquote positive news to give to the soldiers to boost morale. Well, uh, when this time of year comes around as a veteran with all the experience and experiences you have had in the military, um, you have lost friends to war, to suicide. What does this day, Memorial Day, mean to you? Well, it's got a lot of layers that have sort of evolved over the years. The greater my understanding has gotten. First of all, this year was the year that I learned that Memorial Day was originally observed by freed slaves after the Civil War. So that was an interesting layer of understanding to see how, you know, uh, a holiday, I guess we call it, that has already gotten to this place of like a day of like uber patriotism actually 
it wasn't about patriotism at all. It was about honoring the dead and by people who had been oppressed. So, you know, and now seeing it even go from that into a general memorial of, of people who had served in wars, and now to see it essentially like, you know, a, a day of um, saying all the patriotic things and calling troops heroes, it's, it's, it's all kind of turned into this great ignoring of what's below the surface, like the reason for all the death. And like, if you call people heroes for some reason, it excuses the fact that they died needlessly for, you know, really nefarious reasons, I guess. And I know a lot of us know people who have been killed either in U.S. wars or because of U.S. wars. And it, you know, there's something that makes you feel better about wanting to believe someone died for a noble cause. And so we talk about the defense of freedoms. But, you know, when you really look at what's happening and whose freedom is being defended, it's really just, you know, the military is, you know, the strong arm of the elite these days. The, you know, global superpowers play games with people's lives. And, we can call them heroes, but like, you know, a lot of people I know, not just me, doing the military as a job, you know, like kind of one of like the jobs that was guaranteed to hire you. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because that is something that we talked about earlier is that, you know, there's patriots that join, you know, to um, defend the USA and their values. But a lot of people join for other reasons, like um, education through the GI bills or whatnot, or even learning in the military, um, maybe healthcare, or like you mentioned, just a job that's going to pay you at the moment. And um, mm-hmm. many of these same people get deployed to war zones and never to return, or maybe their earthly remains, you know, return if they're lucky. And like you mentioned, we brand these men and women as heroes, and. You also mentioned that you see it a different way. Tell us about um, your view about how they this happens to us. I've done a lot of reading about how and why we find it so difficult to step away from the patriot narrative and to see uh, the military as not like a noble thing that we do. It's It's actually like, not it's some of the least noble work when you think about it because no it's not intended to help people the first thing you're trained to do is kill (laughs) so like and march (laughs) so there's a lot of um money and energy that goes into pushing the narrative of the military being noble because you know, first of all, you got to get people to join. And in this country, because we don't have taxpayer funded health care like every other first world country does, we have health care as an incentive. And same with higher education. If it's like go into lifelong crippling debt or spend a couple of years in the military and cross your fingers, you don't get killed, then um it's, you know, then it's like, well, the short-term risk seems like an acceptable option. Plenty of people join the military as an alternative to jail or just to get out of their town or to feel useful or to have 
um, you know, because there is such a, you know, hero worship around it, it's like, well, I can do this and then people will think I'm a hero. So win, win. And like, let's, and they don't even think about the political aspect or any kind of, you know, long-term, like you don't think about the fact when you join the military that it might be four years or whatever of active duty or six years, but that experience never, ever, ever leaves your brain and body. And it's never shopped as like a lifelong identity thing. It's like, do this for four years and then you can pay for school. Just to wrap up with like, like the hero narrative is really important to keep people like accepting that it's like just a really low paid job that offers, you know, basic needs to be met that should be getting taken care of anyway by our taxes. Yeah. And uh, one thing we haven't touched on uh, right now, but maybe I give you a second to mention that is your work that you have done or may still be doing with um, Iraq veterans against the war or veterans for peace. Which one was it you worked with? Um, both. Um, and so Iraq Veterans Against the War is now called About Face because in the effort to be more inclusive to other post 9-11 vets. Um, so, um, yeah, so I did quite a bit of work with them for a while. And now I primarily have been working with Veterans for Peace. I've recently started working on the, the newspaper as the editor of the VFP newspaper, The first one's going to be out in August. We're accepting submissions, especially from veterans, especially from members of VFP, but not limited to VFP. Just connecting the anti-militarism, you know, peace work that we're trying to do with all of the other, you know, intersectional work that is going on so we can help, you know, build networks and coalitions and understand that everyone's work is connected because this machine is is depending on us all being divided. So the more connected we can be, the, or you know, my goal with the paper is to just to to keep keep amplifying voices that are not heard often enough that connect the peace movement to all of the other human and environmental movements. So everybody could find About Face on Facebook. Yep. About Face is on Facebook. Vets for Peace is on Facebook. A lot of different chapters nationwide. Um, I know the Bay Area has a strong contingency of of Vets for Peace members. Definitely. And I will, um, what I was going to say is I will post a link on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, where you could find Veterans for Peace, About Face, and where you could, my cat's over here yelping, and where you could make um, (laughs) submissions, uh, to Veterans for Peace paper. Well, before we run out of time, Emily, let me just let people know that this is the voice of Emily Yates, a veteran, activist, and much more, including folk singer. Tell us how your music career came to be and how your life experience shaped your music. Um, My music career came to be sort of by accident. I learned to play the ukulele a couple years after I got out of the army. And um, and I found that it was more fun to practice if I put words in with the chords. And that was how all of my opinions got to be set to music. <laughs> so some people liked my songs. Some people really didn't. But enough people liked them that it, I kept writing them 
<laughs> or I kept performing them. I definitely kept writing them either way. Yeah, so now I've released a couple of different albums as me. Um, and I made a kid's album under a pseudonym, Fancy Von Panzerton, uh, a number of years ago. And I've got a new one in the works. Um, I basically just decided to incorporate music into everything else I do already. So that's how it worked. It's been fun. It's been fun to watch and listen to. Well, again, that's the voice of Emily Yates, um, activist, uh, ukulele star, veteran. Thanks for joining us tonight on Full Circle, Emily. And before we actually let you go this time, we're going to play one of your songs next. Tell us about this song we're going to hear and also where people can find your music and follow you. Yes. The song I haven't sent you yet, but which I would love for you to play is um, Yellow Ribbon. And I wrote that as a sort of visceral response to seeing those yellow ribbon magnets on people's cars um, as like their sort of memorial slash support the troops patriotic symbol. And uh, it was usually usually by people who didn't weren't really paying attention to what was actually happening um, with the troops and how, what was actually being memorialized and you know what was happening in the name of quote unquote fighting terrorism. So um, uh, I wrote um, I wrote yellow ribbon as a sort of answer to that and. Um, I realize that many people might not feel the same way I do, but that's okay. My website is emilyyatesmusic.com, and I'm also on Facebook, facebook.com slash dick, which is the name of one of my songs. That's my music page. And then on Instagram, I'm at emilyyatesmusic. YouTube, if you search for emilyyatesmusic, you'll find me. And as usual, for all the Full Circle fans, we'll have a link to all those social media outlets for Emily Yates on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. Emily, it's been a long time. It's been good to talk to you again. Thanks for stepping up tonight and um, offering to uh, represent tonight on Full Circle. Thank you, Franklin. And I really, uh, you know, I appreciate your taking the time to dig into this, this stuff. Not everybody has the stomach for it. Definitely. Well, we'll keep on doing it here as KPFA has been the anti-war station um, for our listeners. Thank you again. Thanks. Hey, welcome back to Full Circle. You're listening on KPFA 94.1 or maybe KPFA.org. That was the voice of Emily Yates, veteran, activist, and musician. We will have a link to the Veterans for Peace and About Face and Emily's new podcast, What the Folk, on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. Please check that out just after the show. So let's check out some of Emily's music. This is the song she was speaking of. This is Yellow Ribbon. Yellow ribbon off your car 
Take that waving flag off of your door Don't act like you understand what we've been fighting for Take that fake concern off of your face Take that handshake and just move along Stop appreciating me for all that I've done wrong And take that yellow ribbon off your car You think that I went to liberate So when I come home you celebrate But you can't bring back the dead by throwing a parade You tell me I made my nation proud I wish you wouldn't say it so damn loud Boots were on the ground while your head was in the clouds. So take that yellow ribbon off your car. Don't pay for my meal. Don't give me special deals. Unless you want to hear all about the way I feel. Don't make me your hero. Just lend me your ear. Wipe the tears I cry Well, I apologize For that goddamn yellow ribbon on your car If you want to show me that you care Think about how things are over there We're bombing schools and hospitals In case you weren't when you tuck your children in at night Don't tell them it's for freedom that we fight Let them know that there's a war on But don't tell them their side's right And take that yellow ribbon off your car Don't pay for my meal Don't give me special deals Unless you Welcome back to Full Circle on KPFA right here in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory. That was the voice of Emily Yates and her song, Yellow Ribbon. And another big shout out to Emily, who is living in the spirit of Lou Hill and doing her part to spread peace. And just a reminder, we will have a link to that video on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. We will also link to Emily's YouTube channel, and activists work with the peace organizations veterans for peace and about face up next we are turning from military veterans to veterans of kpfa we have lost quite a few since i came through the doors in 2005 some that come to mind are la brava from la onda bajita and across indian land 
We had Lewis Sawyer, who too was a graduate of KPFA's First Voice Apprenticeship Program, as was Jenna Hota. Of course, Wesley Burton. What's up, Wesley? There was Mary Berg, Yvette Hodgeberg, and not many would remember Johannes Dror, who spent a short time on Full Circle. He too was an apprentice graduate. R.I.P. to all you rest in power. So a big shout out to all of them and any I missed. And to honor our KPFA brothers and sisters, we will hear from one of them in her own voice, one I didn't mention, and that is Andrea Lewis. Many people will remember Andrea as the host of the morning show and later the host of the Sunday morning talk show, Sunday Sedition. We lost Andrea in November of 2009. Here she is in her own voice in a collage of clips put together by our senior producer, Miss M. With Michael Eric Dyson. What's up, Michael? <laughs> nice to I'm have here. you back. It's good to be here. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's what you evoke for me. Just laughter. I love sure that. I'm glad. I'm it's sure you like that with soul. all of your hosts, but that's okay. I, <laughs> no, I, I feel special. I don't flirt with them like this. <laughs> Can't do it. Nice to have you here again, Houston Smith. It's always wonderful. I can't say over the air uh, where you rank among my favorite uh, interviewers because others might take offense, yeah. but you're certainly <laughs> very, very near the top. So, Lily, we before we came on the air here, we were talking about it's been a couple of years since I've I've seen you, and I was so excited to get the postcard for your work in my mailbox because I thought, what's Lily been up to lately? And it seems you've been up to quite a lot with this, this new work. Tell me how it's different than the work that you've uh, done leading up to it. Last year was 40th anniversary about the Cultural Revolution. Mm-hmm. Then I feel as a dance maker, I really want to do something about that we call human disaster event. Mm-hmm. You know, my dance company mainly is a woman, and my work mainly is focused on a woman's life. Mm. As myself, as generation youth, during that Cultural Revolution. You were in China during the Cultural Revolution when you were a child, right? Little small age. Well, yes, tiny, tiny. tiny, tiny. <laughs> but I remember some mm-hmm. happen, what happened during that time. So we're really pleased to welcome as one of our guests the inimitable Rodessa Jones of Cultural Odyssey, who is going to present Transmigration, a retrospective of our, her works with Cultural Odyssey over 25 years. So, Rodessa, nice to have you back here at KPFA. Hello, it's nice to be back. Oh, and see, no one usually beats me on the low tones, but Rodessa, you got it, girl. (laughs) Thank you. Well, women, I've seen this exhibit more than once, and every time I am so moved, I'm moved to tears, partly because as an African-American, I'm just so excited to see my culture validated in this exhibit, right, Uh, in this major museum. Um, But also the stories that you all tell and the video that shows in the exhibit and just the beauty of the quilts is so moving to me. So... 
but I got to ask you all, you are celebrities now. I mean, you have traveled the country. You've met all sorts of famous people. How has the success of your quilts in this exhibits in of different uh, cities uh, affected you? And let me start with you, Mary Lee Bendoff. Uh, has it really uh, changed your life? Yes, it has changed my life. And tell me how. It's for the better? For the better. Oh, and I thank the Lord for that. So because of uh, money, for one thing? For money, one thing. The main reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There are places I remember all my life Though some have changed, some forever, not for better Some have gone and some remain All these places have their moments with lovers and friends, I still can recall some are dead and some are living. In my life, I've loved them all. But of all these friends and lovers, there is no one compares with you and these memories lose their meaning when i think of love as something new though i know i'll never lose affection for people and things that went before I know I'll always think and think about them. In my life, I love you more. Oh, yeah. That was the smooth voice of KPFA veteran Andrea Lewis, who we lost in November of 2009 at the age of 52. I personally was fortunate enough to meet and speak with her on many occasions. And as you can hear from that very small selection of clips that Andrea covered a range of topics from gender to war and peace to poets, musicians, and free thinkers. Also, as you heard, she enjoyed singing. That was her at the end, singing her rendition of the Beatles. So in honor of that moment, here's to you, Andrea Lewis, and to all our KPFA brothers and sisters we lost. We'll be right back. Masters of all motivated by greed. You don't speak for me. Follow, I will resist. You raise your flag, I'll raise my fist, and you can put me away. Lock me up in your prison cage, but you can't take my freedom because we've never been free. 
back this is full circle coming at you right here on kpfa and that was masters of war by samantha liapas and that one goes out to andrea lewis who i know would appreciate it up next we have a commentary by graduate apprentice darlene pagano her family has a history of military service here she is as she reflects on their service and one of her many siblings While I was doing some research, to be sure I was clear on the difference between Memorial Day and Veterans Day, I had a sudden realization. Memorial Day, the day given to honor all who have died while in military service, was a day of honor for my own brother, Bobby. Almost all the men in our family have served in the military, but I never thought of us as a military family. My uncles and father served under a wartime draft, and my brothers served during the Vietnam-era years. That tradition went back quite a while. We even have an enlisted man buried in our small hometown's Union Cemetery with a notation of Civil War service on his headstone. They served as their duty, not their career, except for Bobby. I come from a family of seven, and Bobby was the first boy. He was named for our father and our father's only brother, but was never called anything but Bobby. After a school field trip to a local airfield as a young child, he became quite interested in airplanes. 
As a teenager, he started speaking about going into the Air Force as a way to be involved with aircraft in his adult life. That made him a slight outlier to our family's history of military service. The Army, Navy, and especially Marines were the usual branches in which the men enlisted. Bobby was not interested in any of these, just the Air Force. There are many ways to serve in the military, and there are many ways to die in service. To most civilians like myself, military means combat, just as soldier means combat, and that is largely not the case. Combat units, including their non-combatant support members, comprise fewer than 10% of all military personnel and only 10% of those are engaged in active combat postings. Over the last 12 years, just over 4,500 American deaths have occurred in combat situations, while 12,000 deaths have occurred over all non-combatant segments of the services. In 1982, my brother was in that category of military deaths. Bobby's plan had been to serve in the Air Force as a lifer, to retire after a minimum of 20 years of duty. He had slogged his way through his initial four years of service as a heavy equipment operator at a base in Germany. Living in Germany with his family was an experience he enjoyed. Upon re-enlisting for his second tour, he started to get some reward for his commitment. He was reassigned to a U.S. base near his wife's family and was offered new training. He chose to become an electronics technician for biomedical equipment, training he thought would be sustainable for a lifetime. In the midst of this, at age 24, he had a seizure. Tests showed that he had a brain tumor, malignant and at that time rarely curable. Still, he underwent surgery and radiation treatment. He was placed on the military's version of sick leave and his training program stopped. As part of his long-term care, he was allowed to request reassignment to a base of his choice, and he chose one nearest our parents and siblings. He and his wife were under the belief that he had to be cancer-free for a period of five years before he could re-enter active duty and a return to their plans. They decided to have a second child and make the most of the waiting period, both personally and educationally. It turned out that there was a terrible misunderstanding. What they had been told was not that they needed to wait to be declared cancer-free, but that five years was the most he could expect to live cancer-free before it returned, which it did, right on schedule, and he died at the age of 29. Memorial Day is explicit in that it honors all those who die in military service, whether by enemy fire, accidents, illness or suicide, Memorial Day is a day of tribute to all who died while in service to country. Memorial Day became a national federal holiday only 50 years ago. Not all holidays are meant to be festive, but to be solemnly marked. There is no such thing as Happy Memorial Day.
The music that accompanies this piece is from the album Switched On Bach, a 1969 album of selections from J.S. Bach as played on a Moog synthesizer. It was a pop as well as classical sensation and stayed on the charts for several years. It was also a favorite album of Air Force Private Robert Michael Pagano. Welcome back. You are listening to Full Circle, and that was the voice of graduate apprentice and LSB member Darlene Pagano, reflecting on her family's military service and her brother Bob. Big shout out to Darlene for those thoughts and a big shout to the sky for Bob. And you got a great sister down here. So good job, whatever you did. And thanks again, Darlene. So I'm starting to run out of time for tonight. And before I go, I want to do a couple things. I wanted to share some thoughts, some of my thoughts that have came to me while I've been preparing for the show over this last week. All this evening, we have been either talking about or honoring the dead who died in wars defending this country. Yes, we have also been speaking out against the atrocities of war through music and our interview with Emily Yates. But coming from a family of mixed race and having a father that is Native American, it's not lost on me that when we speak of this military, we have to remember that their first missions were to exterminate people such as my dad's people, my ancestors to snuff out our language and our culture and traditions. So in honor of that, I would just like to say some of the names of men and women who did what would now be considered the most American of deeds. They fought in defense of their families, their women and their children. They fought to protect their way of life that was steeped in respect and care for the land. They fought for their rights to hunt and gather their traditional foods. And the people they fought were the U.S. military and the U.S. government, the people who were attempting a genocide on the Indians and their way of life. Their names are Black Kettle, Black Elk, Corn Planter, Red Cloud, Cochise, Crazy Horse, Geronimo, Chief Joseph, Pontiac, Sitting Bull, Buffalo Calf Woman. And let's not forget the nameless thousands that gave their life fighting against the U.S. military for the homeland here in what is now the United States. And lastly, let me not forget to shout out to my uncle John Charles Sterling. John was one of my uncles that I never met. He was killed in Vietnam. He was only 19 or 20 years old. So in honor of all that, I want to go out tonight with this song I recorded on the shore of Lake Erie when I was part of the first annual powwow and Native American festival held in Avon Lake, Ohio. And before I say goodnight, I'd like to say we here at Full Circle stand with the fight for justice for George Floyd and his family and all the victims of police terrorism and brutality. To everyone out there, please, please protect your health and your humanity. Stay tuned. Up next is La Onda Bajita. Peace. Oh.